Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday Timeout right here on NGSCSports.com. I am your host, Jim Neeson. We are here this Tuesday, uh, April the 7th, 2015. We are here on NGSCSports.com. Again, where we never stop. Make sure you visit NGSCSports.com for all the latest sports news, sports podcasts, radio shows, and uh, as well as a uh, Thursday night uh, <coughs> wrestling show that is hosted by me and uh, my co-host, Ryan. Uh, tons of great content in GSCSports.com. You can also podcast us on iTunes, on Spreaker, and, uh, and you can listen to us on uh, iHeartRadio by searching NGSC. If you want to call in and talk to us tonight during the show, 724-444-7444. The call ID one three five one three eight again seven two four 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 seven four four four. The call ID 
is 135138. You can tweet me during the show at Big Jim Sports. Visit our show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. And uh, we're going to start the show off in the first hour. We'll be joined by our good friend Anthony. Uh, Anthony, welcome into the show again, bud. How are you? Jim, thank you for having me. Appreciate it as always. Uh, and ready to break down the world of sports like usual. All right, very good. So let's let's get right into it. I, I posted a poll question out there, and it uh, it kind of relates to our opening topic. Of course, March Madness. You see a lot of these guys uh, do the 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 one and done type of thing. Um, so the the question I posed, and it kind of got started with uh, with with one of, with a with a relative of mine uh, talking about kind of the idea of you know should these kids be able to uh you know to go one and done or should they have to stay in school and it kind of got my brain going because the last couple shows i've been trying to do a poll question and and, and the question is anthony and, and and i'll get to some uh listener questions or listener responses but uh should athletes be allowed to go pro from high school or should there be you know kind of a professional management for for lack of a a better title um program in college i'll get to the listener responses in the second hour but since i have you in the first hour you know what's your what's your thought on this i mean it's kind of a polarizing question because you know a lot of people say you know well you know these kids should be able to get paid when when they can people should be able to do what they want uh but then there's other people that that, that think you know these kids should go to school they should have some sort of uh you know you know skill set that when not if but when their career sports career is over that they're not just left floundering and and, and end up bankrupt or end up you know just so, some kind of another statistic anthony before you know what's your thought on this yeah you know what i think the way the current system is with baseball i like it with football i like it as well first off with football there is not one individual that is ready to come out of high school the only issue i have with college is that more and more we learn about brain injuries. You sustain that in college, but you can't put an 18-year-old in the NFL because that's when you really get serious injuries. So I think the system we have with football is good, baseball is good, uh, hockey is good as well. And the question, the one I have an issue with is basketball. If a kid is ready to come out of high school, in my opinion, I think NBA scouts will realize this, will realize that player's talent and they will draft them. The kids that don't, tough luck they're not going to get realized they're going to go to college. Make your name in the college game, and I think they should go to college for at least three years. And from there, get a little bit of an education. If things fail, you can come back to college. If not, guess what? You're in the NBA, and you're sitting on money. But I think it only benefits the players. Uh, The money's going to be there for most of them. It, it, It will. There's rare, rare instances where guys get injured and their career is over. But the guys who are truly good, they're going to be there time and time again, and their talent will only get better in the college game. Because they're listen, take Joe Schmo out of the inner city and he goes to Kentucky. John Calipari is a heck of a coach. Mike Shevsky is a heck of a coach at Duke. Is what Michigan State. Uh, we've seen Bo Ryan come on strong at Wisconsin. Shaka Smart now at Texas. Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Bill Self at Kansas. Go all over. Those coaches have so much to offer for these kids. I mean, people give college a bad name in basketball, and I think that 
it only helps these athletes and makes them that much better of a basketball player. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of under this belief that that you know a kid doesn't necessarily have to go for four years, uh, but but I I don't I'm not I'm not a fan of the one and done uh, because it, it doesn't teach them anything. Um, you know, I, I kind of think that that something along the lines of a a a a schooling program because a lot of times when when you have a kid that you that is coming in, you, you can pretty much be sure that, you know, barring injury or, you know, just a complete change of heart, change of mind, you know, you know the guys that are probably going to move on to the next level. And if you see they're to that point, you know, maybe put them in some sort of like a, a, a like a, like I said, professional management uh, degree program where, where it's a two-year uh, two program and, and it teaches them things like, you know how to manage your money, how to handle you know your your business from having from having an agent to having you know people around you to that uh, you know uh, that you can protect yourself and um, you know things like that. How to handle how to handle fame and and I, I mean obviously it would have to be something that you know th- this is this isn't something you can do overnight uh, when you're talking about the number of schools with these athletic programs, but something that could Teach the teach these kids that when they come out of it and when they're in the spotlight and when they when they're famous and then what happens when your career is over? What happens when you have you know a a you know a severe injury that that ends your career? What do you do from there? Where do you go from there? And and you know how to how to manage your your money that you can not be a statistic that you can still be a functioning member of a society and, and not, you know, not end up somebody that, you know, that has nothing and is broken down and, and things like that. You know, I, I think there's, I think there's a middle ground between, you know, letting, letting kids do whatever they want to, you know, you know, forcing them to go for four years for, for no reason. And, and I, you know, I, I think that it could be something really interesting to, to have a program like that for these kids. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. I think you can put something in place. And I think there's a lot of different – I don't think there's one right answer. I think there's a multitude of different answers. But the current system that they have in place right now, what it shows us is that – I mean, it's pretty much a joke that so many players do the one and done. And I have no problem with players doing the one and done. I mean, the rule is in place. I have no problem with John Calipari recruiting to the one and done. You know, because that's what the rule is. But I think the NBA and NCAA, they put themselves in a, in a vulnerable position and just make themselves look silly. I mean, what does the one-and-done really do for a lot of these players? Julio Okafor, I mean, listen, he's going to come out in a year. You're, you're going to tell me he couldn't come out of high school? What valuable – now, I, there is some basketball value that he's going to take uh, away from being under Mike Krzyzewski for a year, but – School-wise, what is there that he's taking away from Duke? I mean, I know as a freshman, you take gen ed classes. It's why. Why even go? You know, you take away a valuable scholarship for another kid that could possibly use it, a kid that may need it more than Julio Okafor. That's how I view it right now. 
Yeah, and, and a kid that may need it for, for longer than just that one year. So, yeah, very, very valid point. But let, let's dig in now, you know, to the national championship game uh, from a night ago. I know, you know, you you watched more of this game than I did. And, you know, I'm very upfront about um, that I'm not a basketball guy, that, I've, that I never have been. I watched more college basketball uh, this year during the tournament than I ever have. But I didn't sit and watch every game by any means. I caught about the last seven minutes of this game. Uh, once uh, WWE Monday Night Raw was over, um, and I even posted that, uh, I even posted that on Twitter that like, look, Monday Night's wrestling night for me. Monday Night's been wrestling night for me for over 20 years, so uh, very few things sway me off of that. Um, you know, Anthony, you look at this game and, and a very, very close game that it was. Um, you know, what is, what is your takeaway? Because I, like I said, I know that you. You know, you watched more of this game than I did. A 68-63 win uh, for Duke to win uh, win there and Coach K's fifth national championship. Um, you know, we'll get into the stuff with the officiating, but from this game itself, what is your biggest takeaway that was, you know, because because I know Wisconsin had the nine point lead in the second half. It's you know, if you if you pay attention to any type of sports radio today. Um, you've heard it over and over and over. What 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 is the biggest reason that, that that broke down? Was it Wisconsin shut down? Was it was it Duke's um, you know stamina just was better? Was Duke just the better team? Um, what what exactly was kind of that catalyst for the change in the second half? In my opinion, I, I think it was more the case of Duke outplaying Wisconsin. Uh, the only knock I'll give Wisconsin down the stretch is a little sloppy. They committed a little bit too many fouls and put Duke on the line. Duke was 16 to 20 from the line last night, and that was a big part in why they came on late. But Grayson Allen came off the bench, played 21 minutes for Duke, and put up 16 points. I, there's instances where there's not a damn thing you can do. Look at Sam Decker, what he what he's done in this tournament. There were things that teams could not stop. Arizona, Kentucky, Decker was just on another another level, and Grayson Allen hit that level last night. Uh, I mean, Duke did a lot of things right. It's not that Wisconsin really did things wrong, but Duke did so much right, and that's what catapulted them to victory. I don't want to take anything away from Duke. I know we'll get into the officiating later, but, I mean, the way – and I'm not even a Duke fan. I I, I don't like Duke. but, you know, it's hard to knock the performance they put up in the second half, especially being down nine against a very good team like Wisconsin. I did think Wisconsin could have slowed their offensive possessions down a little bit more uh, when they had the ball up nine, kind of be a little bit more methodical, and that wasn't necessarily the case. But, you know, it's little things that that you can pick Wisconsin for. There weren't any big uh, standout things that I would knock Wisconsin for. I say again, it's more a product of Duke just being a good team, having the better coach on the sideline who could help that team make adjustments when needed. And listen, Shashevsky sat down Okafor. He sat down Tyus Jones a little bit too. Um, I mean, very sat down Justice Winslow more, excuse me. And you know, you have a veteran like Winslow and a stud like Okafor on the bench, and they only scored now to Okafor ten points. Isn't a bad night for him. You know, we're going to call that an off night for another guy. Not bad, but he only had three rebounds. 
That's what hurt. Uh, Jaleel Okafor did not have the game of his life. He got it taken to him in the paint by Frank Kaminsky. Uh, he was exposed big time. Kaminsky beat him up on the boards, beat a lot of guys up on the boards at 12 rebounds. But uh, overall, Duke made the adjustments. They had the right guy step up when needed and got better play off the bench. You know, they showed up with 18 bench points opposed to seven for Wisconsin. So I think that, that's where a big difference comes in as well. And Wisconsin didn't get to the line enough, in my opinion. They got to the line 10 times. Uh, I've, I stress so much on Twitter, on my show, free throws is what wins you tournament games. And in the gambling perspective, it's what helps cover spreads down the stretch. Well, Wisconsin was the best free throw shooting team of your top teams in the country uh, at about 76% as a team. They got to the line 10 times, shot 60%. That's not going to cut it. You know, get to the line more, draw some fouls, take it to the basket, and that's what's going to keep you in that ball game. And late, when they had Duke players in foul trouble, throw it inside. Get to the basket, draw a foul, because you're going to make free throws. You're going to slow down, or you, you're going to slow down possessions and uh, extend the game in the fashion that you want to and keep the ball out of Duke's hands. Yeah, you know, Duke Duke just was the better team. Um, you know, and and for for most of my life, at least most that you know that I can remember, Coach K obviously is the has been the absolute um, you know, the face of that team, face of that university, um and just an incredible incredible college basketball coach. And and uh, listening to Dan Patrick today, they they were talking about, and I, I think it was even their poll question was, you know, who is the who is the greatest uh, living, current living head coach, and you know, th- thinking about it, I'd be hard pressed to put it to anybody that isn't Coach K because if if you look at professional sports, you you at least keep your core, you keep your uh, you know, you, you you keep your you know solid group of players. You know, some faces are going to change, but not everything does. When you're looking at college basketball, especially college basketball today, and and the the team that they had, a team that got knocked out, you know, in the first round a year ago, and to, to come back and do this this year shows how good of a coach he is. Is he the the best? Uh, coach currently coaching in sports today? Uh, in basketball, I say yes. In basketball, I say – and I look at coaching. I think there's better coaches in the in college basketball. There's better managers in the NBA. Um, the NBA, there's a lot more individual one-on-one play that will go on that a single player – can have more of an impact on a game, but college basketball is where you see much more of a team game, and that's where I think the coaching uh, and practices come into effect more. So I'll say Mike Krzyzewski is the best coach in in, in basketball. Now, you're going to have to go to hockey, go through uh, football, baseball. Um, You know, look at Bill Belichick, maybe. Um, Phenomenal. He's he's had a short run, you know, since 2000. But he did have a hiccup uh, since um, since two thousand or before with the Browns. So since two thousand, Belichick has been on the roll. Um, active coach Shostakovich. Maybe I'll give Bob Knight an edge. He's still alive. 
he's obviously no longer coaching, but um, I'd say of active coaches and definitely in the sport of basketball, I, I think Mike Krzyzewski is the best coach uh, on this on, on this planet. All right, very good. Now let's let's talk about the officiating because the officiating unfortunately has taken a front page to everything based on you know not only last night but you know there was you know the very there was a few questionable calls last night um the one that i really saw was the uh the one that went off the duke player's hand they went to review and still upheld it that it was that it was duke ball um but but as a whole i know you know watching uh, some of notre dame's games especially the one against kentucky i know in the in the final four matchup with kentucky there was a lot of calls going in their favor you know whether whether it was blatant, whether it was intentional, or whether it was just poor officiating all around. The unfortunate situation that has happened is what seemingly was a very exciting, a very good NCAA tournament Final Four championship game gets overshadowed by this stuff with officiating. I mean, the, the you know, and it, it happens everywhere. I mean, you go to the Cowboys-Packers game, overshadowed by did Dez catch the ball? The Cowboys-Lions game, was was that a catch? You know, you hate to see, and unfortunately it's happening more and more and more, games being remembered for the, for the officiating as opposed to the game itself. And, Anthony, I mean, my biggest thing is, too, is when you look at that play, the out-of-bounds play, and and a couple other things, you know, throughout this and throughout sports as a whole, how can you have, you know, uh, 10 different camera angles and you see the, see things that we're seeing on CBS or Fox or what have you, we're seeing it, you know, they're seeing the same thing. How, how can they not see it when it's plain as day? If it's something that's hard and you have three people in a room and, you know, each one has a different opinion, but, but stuff like last night with that out of bounds, and that was plain as day. It just blows my mind that when replay is that cut and dry, they can't get the call right. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, you know what I and I said on my show, maybe maybe you have the referees give us an explanation as they do in the NFL. That's the only thing I can think of because we haven't heard an explanation from them post game. At least I I haven't. Um, that how how they missed the call. The CBS threw up a perfect angle. Uh, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hillman, they all said, well, that should be Wisconsin basketball. And we all thought it was going to Wisconsin. I mean, I guarantee you Duke fans thought it was going to Wisconsin. There's not a sane person that was watching that game that said that should be Duke basketball. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I'm at a loss for words. Uh, how do you explain that, that, that the rest completely uh, butchered that? Because it to us, all of us, it was clear as day. HD, non-HD, you could tell that his finger touched the ball, and that should be Wisconsin basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and finally, the last the last thing on this, and, and, you know, again, congratulations to Duke, congratulations to Coach K, but Anthony, you, you see, you know, Bo Ryan, and you understand he has to be emotional, he has to be upset, Um the way he handled himself in the post game, 
you know, this is where, you know, I say in situations like this, I know we're of the society and we're of the people that, uh, you know, we want information now. We want to hear opinions now. We want, we want to know what these guys are feeling immediately after a loss. But maybe there needs to be a little bit more even of a cooling down period. Maybe it's, it's a situation of don't, don't talk to them right away. You know, let, let them you know, you know, come to the, the press conference when they're ready. We don't need people in these situations with a microphone in, you know, in somebody's face get it, waiting for it right after. Because I think in hindsight, he probably wouldn't have wanted to say exactly the things that he said. But when there's, when there's anger, when there's frustration, when it's the heat of the moment, you know, you know and I know it, you can say things that, isn't exactly what you want to say or isn't how you want something to come across. It, it just was not a good look for Bo Ryan and, and Wisconsin a, after that game last night. No, it wasn't. And one thing where I thought it was all okay is he got that the locker room interview with Tracy Wolfson uh, on CBS, and his comments were fine. They really, um, there, there was nothing controversial about it there. He said he was proud of his team, and it was all the suit and tie answers you'd expect from a coach. And then the press conference comes around, and his tune completely changed. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe the fact that there was all the media in front of him, it just kind of got to him and all hit him at that moment. Very well possible. Um, yeah, you know, I like when coaches are honest. I, I do. Um, but in that moment there, it was just a little – I think that had a little bit of a different flavor to it. And you could tell that he he maybe regretted what he said. It, it, it wasn't wasn't maybe his honest answer. It was just a frustrated answer. Uh, and it didn't come with much thought, more so emotion. Uh, and that's when things can go wrong, as they did last night. Um, so, and you said maybe give a, cool, a, a little bit more of a cool-down period. That'd be interesting. Um, I would almost like to see that, but I don't think it will ever happen just because the media plays such a big factor in sports and the 24-hour news cycle. I mean, could you see a coach getting two hours after the game until he can finally cool down? You know, it, it's rare that you're going to see that happen. <laughs> uh, so you're right. I mean, the media would never, never on earth stand for something like that. So um, I don't think that happened. I, I think it's a unique idea. Uh, but I don't think it'll happen, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it obviously never will, especially the way that, you know, with, with social media and, and everything like that. It, it, we're a society that everything has to be now. Everything has to be in the moment, uh, you know, and, and what exactly is happening, you know, at this second. Um, but, you know, but I know for me, you know, I a year ago, uh, during the NFL season, during the NHL season, you know, I was, I was that guy, you know, sitting with the, you know, the phone in my hand and the iPad on my lap and, you know, tweeting and texting and all this throughout the games. And number one, I feel like I miss half the game, uh, because I'm, I'm too, too focused on what I'm, you know, typing to somebody. So during the, during the NFL season this year, towards the end of the year and during the Cowboys playoffs, you know, I really made it a point to, you know, put the device down, watch the game, and, and especially in the case of when the Cowboys lost to the Packers, I wasn't reacting in 
emotion. I wasn't reacting to people trying to, you know, get a rise out of Cowboys fans and, and, you know, saying things just to, uh, you know, just to start a fight because it was a couple hours later, you know, I, I had kind of decompressed from what had happened in that game. And I found myself handling myself in a more objective manner. And then in a more, uh, in a way I defended the Cowboys, you know, I thought it was a catch. I hell, I still think it was a catch, but I wasn't, I wasn't lashing out. I wasn't, you know, saying, uh, anything inappropriate, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, reacting in an, in an angry manner. Um, you know, so it's just unfortunate that people sometimes have to backtrack and, and say, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't mean it this way. I, uh, what I meant to say was this, just because we have to be a now, now, now type of a world. And, 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 you know, I think if, if Bo Ryan could do it again, he'd probably do it a little bit differently. Yeah, he would. And it's funny you bring up the point about uh, not being on Twitter during sporting, and I, I'm guilty. You know, I do it during uh, Dolphins games, which I, I find that there's not, I mean, for me, with Dolphins games, I don't have any, in the Cowboys fan base, much more vast than the Dolphins and the people who I follow. I don't really follow anyone that stirs the pot, um, and, and I won't go search the hashtags much. So I kind of keep to myself, and I'll tweet more, fan-related items and try to keep the bias out of it. Um, so I think I, I get by on that. But I feel it does take away from the game a little bit. I know for me when I'm watching a fight, uh, a big fight, whether it be MMA or boxing, the round is three or five MMA, five minutes, boxing, three minutes. I, I usually, in that case, I'll put the phone down, put the laptop away, and after the round is over, I have that, you have that minute break in between that's where I can throw in a tweet who I thought won the round, what I thought happened. But for the most part, when it's going on uh, in, in a bigger fight, I'll put it away and I'll have my attention fully focused on what is going on on the TV, laptop, wherever I'm watching. And I find it much more enjoyable. And, and I'm, But I'm still guilty when it comes to watching, whether it be the basketball game last night, a football game, Super Bowl, anything, I'm still consumed by uh, social media for whatever reason. So I've been able to be on both sides of it. And, you know, for the reason I, I can't put the one away that, you know, the social media for part of the game. Um, but I've always told myself if the Dolphins were in a Super Bowl. For sure, I would put the laptop phone away until like halftime. I would not, just for my sanity, would not be able to be on social media uh, until I get a break and could actually breathe for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I've even found myself doing that with, with, with wrestling shows, I and mean, actually, I've been enjoying the product that I'm watching much more um, when I when I kind of check myself out of social media. It's not something that's easy to do. I'm not saying I'm you know I'm 100 percent perfect about it, but uh, you know it's something that I've been trying to do to enjoy the product uh, that I that I am invested in. Uh, Anthony, let's move on to, to to baseball. We have you for another half hour here. Of course, yesterday opening day. Um, you know, many people b- believe that it should be a national holiday. Uh, I made it a holiday. I took the day off of work, played golf in the morning, went to Buffalo Wild Wings uh, for lunch, and uh, and watched baseball in the afternoon there. Um, you know, it, it's day one. Uh, you know, I, I previewed the season uh, last week on the show with Jason, and um, but but you know, I think so many times people. 
people forget that it's just uh, you know it's just one game out of 162, and you'll see the overreactions from people. And and the the sad thing is, some of them are very serious. You know, their team will lose, and they were supposed to win, and they'll you know, oh, our season's over. This isn't the team that I thought they were going to be. And um, you know, if a team gets an upset on opening day, uh, you know, oh, we're going to be better than anybody ever thought we did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, a few of the scores. That, that stood out to me, uh, you know, on, on this day, uh, I thought the, the, the Rockies with a 10 nothing win over the Brewers was a surprising one. Um, I, I was happy that the Orioles came out strong against Tampa in a 6-2 win. Um, I, you know, the, the Seattle Mariners, Los Angeles the Angels, was a very, very good game. Not surprised that Seattle won because – you know, they're a team that I, that I said is going to surprise people, is going to compete this year. Um, I think Houston getting a win, I mean, it's only 2 nothing, but, but getting a shutout win over Cleveland, a team that I thought was going to be very good, and a close game with the, uh, with the Giants and the Diamondbacks. But again, you know, too many people uh, overreact or put too much stock into opening day. What, what I enjoy about it is just the fact that you're getting baseball back uh, and and – it's it's that moment where, for one day, everybody who's a baseball fan can feel the same because you have a clean slate. Everybody's zero zero. Everybody's you know zero wins, zero losses, and and you don't know what the next you know next few months are going to bring. You have an idea, you know. For for Orioles fans, I have fairly high expectations. For Phillies fans. Um, I think they know what to expect, um, and, and you have teams that you know that uh, fans that are pretty much prepared. We're probably going to be in it for the long haul. Other teams, they don't think so. But when you look at the past couple of years, you had the year where the Pirates had the surge and got into the playoffs. Last year, of course, with the Royals getting all the way to the World Series, that you would have never thought on day one. You just never know. You you know, you, we can sit here and we can make predictions. We can talk about things today in April. But I guarantee you in October, there's going to be one or two teams that we say, how did they get here? How did they get this high? And there's going to be teams that we go, where did they go wrong? I just, I just love the start of the season and, and, and the, the, the fresh, clean slate of the, of the new baseball year. Yeah, you know, I, baseball is a marathon. 162 games a season is a marathon, uh, and that's does game, does day one matter? Not obviously not as much. Uh, you're still working some things out, and it ratchets up. September, obviously October is when serious baseball gets down to its core. But one thing I take opening day as it's a celebration. It's a celebration of the game. It's a celebration, as you said, that baseball is back for us up in the Northeast. Spring is on its way. You, not, yesterday was a beautiful day. You said you played golf. I'm jealous there that you got to enjoy that weather outside by golfing because it finally hit 70 degrees. Uh, so it's kind of, and especially after this winter we've had too, we were able to hit 70 degrees yesterday. It was unbelievable. But that's what kind of baseball, it's a turning point. You know, for me, it's a turning point on the calendar. I mark, I don't necessarily use a calendar, but I mark my seasons by sports. All right, baseball in the Masters week. Spring is officially here now for me. Uh, when the playoffs start in baseball, fall has officially started for me. Um, you get into the fo- bowl season for college football. Now it's winter time. 
everything kind of revolves around sports here in this calendar. And I, I think opening day is a celebration. Celebrate the game of baseball. You get a bunch of teams playing from 1 o'clock all the way until 10 o'clock. And that's what's cool to me. You get to sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy baseball and not get so worked up as a fan of your team. Uh, I mean, you can do that for three hours or so for the game, but the rest of the day you kick back, relax, and enjoy baseball for what it is, and it kind of reminds you uh, of the nostalgia aspect it brings to the game. Yeah, absolutely. A couple close games, uh, well, one close game going on right now, a couple games in action, top of the ninth, Braves over the Marlins 9-2. Orioles had a 6-0 lead in the third inning. That has dwindled down. It is 6-5 in the top of the eighth. The Orioles uh, up to bat right now. Bottom six, Colorado 5-2 over Milwaukee. uh, And bottom two, San Francisco 2-0 over the uh, Diamondbacks. The uh, Cardinals and Cubs who played Sunday night, uh, were postponed due to rain and cold temperatures. So, um, so you know that that's baseball. Anthony, let's move. Let's keep plugging right ahead here, um, and and talk about the Masters. Obviously, uh, you know you talk about spring and you talk about uh, you know the the weather turning warm and getting back on the golf course, all of those sorts of things. Um, for me, I, I typically uh, don't even start watching. Uh, golf until the Masters, just because, like you said, you know, this yesterday was the first 70-degree day we had. Um, fortunately, it was my third time out this year, the first one that was really, really nice weather. Um, uh, two weekends ago, I played, and I think the wind chill was like 33, and we didn't see the sun until about hole 12, and it went away about hole 14, so... Uh, to get out there yesterday when it was 70 degrees was was, was quite the day. Um, but but I feel like this is when the golf season really starts. There's a few good events. There's a few that are fun to watch. But, you know, the the, the Masters is where it all begins. And, and I really think it's the best tournament of the year, not only because of what it is, but, but to visually watch it. I don't think there's another course like Augusta on the entire schedule and and i think that's what's so special about it um defending champion um bubba watson coming in you know a lot a lot of questions obviously the big story going into this one is tiger woods um you know we know about the injury we know about you know coming back with yet another new coach this year um, we know about him withdrawing and, and taking himself out of the game for the past couple months, um, really having nothing to do with injury, but more, you, you can see it, you know, and if you're a guy, you're a guy that has played golf. I'm a guy that plays golf. Uh, you know, you, you can see what was happening to him. The last time we saw him on a course had nothing, in my opinion, had nothing to do with physical Injury, physical ailment. I mean, we we saw him a year ago when he's having the back spasms, when he's having the back pain. What we saw a couple of months ago had nothing to do with the back, had nothing to do, in my opinion, with the physical injury. To me, it was mental. When you're pulling up and you're hitting chip shots, you know, two to three feet, when you're wanting to hit him about 30 feet, um, you can't get the ball off the ground, you're, you're burying your club, things like that. 
those are the kind of things that oh, I've never seen you play, but but weekend golfers, people like myself do. You know, they, there's a reason that that I I play once a week and not every day. Yep. I'm so in the same I think boat. him I'm taking the same time there. away and for for the reports. Yeah, and and from the reports yesterday, from the reports today, he looks good. He looks refreshed from the pictures I've seen of him. He looks like a different Tiger Woods than we've seen in the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I'm really I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. He's playing in the par three competition tomorrow, which is different. Um, and I'm excited to see him, you know, tee it up on Thursday. Yeah, I like that he's playing in the par three. We haven't seen that from him in the past. And as we know, the par three is fun. It's meant to be fun. Um, and maybe he can enjoy himself. Maybe he hits a turning point now and it starts to enjoy the game of golf. Uh, and sometimes that can be a relief for guys, and that's when they find themselves to be at the top, and you can sit back and you can make it fun again. And maybe that's what Tiger finds through this whole experience. And he turns the corner. As a, I mean, does, he, does he win and be as dominant as he was in the past? Maybe not. But he is fun. He can sit back and he can go out and play good golf. Uh, maybe three times a year, you know, win three tournaments. And at, at the age of 37 now, I mean, how much do you really, how much do you really expect from Tiger Woods after what we've seen him go through? Right. I mean, all we can ask at this point is I'd like to see him make the cut. That's what I want to see. And I want to see him get through Saturday and Sunday and play four rounds that we can see that he is healthy physically and mentally. He keeps it all in check. I'd love for him to shoot under par for the tournament. Uh, As much as I enjoy Tiger Woods at the top of the leaderboard, because there's that fascination he brings, and I honestly find it fun to see his train wreck. It's puzzling um, watching him collapse. It's weird because you've been able to see what he's at the top of his game, but then when you see at the bottom, it's weird. So I enjoy any Tiger Woods I get, but for his sake, I want to see him make the cut. I want to see him play four full rounds and get through the weekend. That's all I ask. Have fun. I want to see him enjoy himself tomorrow. You know, I see, I saw the picture that you did too at the press conference. He, he smiled. He looked a little bit, just in a picture, uh, more colorful, um, it, vibrant. I don't know if it was the, the lighting in the room, but he just there was something about a smile that he seemed comfortable. And you say a picture's worth a, a thousand words. It did look different. He he was sitting there at the presser and looked happy, relieved that, and maybe Augusta's the right place to do this at, um, a place where he's had success in the past, somewhere that he is can, that he can kind of call home. Maybe coming in last week as he did, uh, flying flying his private jet and getting getting a week to be accustomed to elements of the course. Maybe that worked for him too. Uh, so hopefully he kind of grabs the right pieces of the puzzle, puts them together, and can string together uh, a few solid rounds of golf this weekend. Yeah, when he withdrew himself a couple months ago, I said, uh, and, and, and basically he made it sound like there it had nothing to do with injury. I said, I, I, I truly believe that he will play at Augusta. I had no, you know, no reports, anything like that to, to tell me, but, but, this is a tournament that he loves. This is a tournament that all golfers love. 
And yeah, I, I, you know, I saw the pictures, you know, he, he talked today about, you know, coming full circle when he, when he was first starting out and he almost lost his dad and he got to hug his dad when he won. And, and now to be there with his two kids that are old enough, you know, to understand and, and to see, you know, what, uh, you know, see his dad and un- see their dad and to understand it. And, and to, you know, they're of course, like, you know, all the, uh, all, you know, all the guys that have kids do, are going to going to caddy for him at this part three thing tomorrow. Um, you know, but even the fact that, you know, there, there's been reports that, you know, he's joking around with the fellow golfers that he's, you know, shaking hands, hugging guys, saying he's so happy to see him and, you know, telling jokes and he's just smiling and he just kind of has this gleam in his eye. And like you said, at that presser where he just, he seems loose, he seems happy. And, you know, I've always said even for me, if I'm out on the course and, and, you know, I have a couple bad holes, even if it's at the start and, and I just, I lose myself mentally, you might as well put your clubs in the bag and, and go on home because it, whether you're on the second hole or the 18th hole, it's not going to end well. That hole and that day is not going to end well because it's so, it, it's such a mental game. You can get knocked down mentally from it. Um, and, and I think that's a lot what we saw from Tiger Woods uh, o- over the last couple of years. You know, we think two years ago, he won the most number of events on tour in the season. And there was no majors won, but, they, but he won the most events. So for people, and, 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 I, and I put it out there on my Twitter, and, and people did, people reacted about what I expected them to because I said, I'm not going to count Tiger Woods out. I didn't mean that I expect Tiger to win, but here's the deal. If the reports were true and, and from, from what we've seen the last two days, it appears to be, but you know, he looks like a guy that I think can get, can make the cut and play into the weekend. And again, I don't expect him to win, but also I know and I think you said it today that I'll take Tiger Woods' best against anybody else's. So if he's clear, if his mind is clear and his body feels good and he's playing well, and this is a course that he knows how to play well, and this is a course that he can dominate if he's playing well, that, you know, you can't, you, you really can't count him out. Whether he'll be in the top 20, the top 10, the top 5, I don't know that. I'm excited to be tuning in for that. But until he proves me wrong at this tournament, I can't count him out. No, I can't either. Um, And do I think he's going to win? No, deep down I don't. But, I mean, there's something that tells me that what Tiger Woods was, I mean, he, he was a different animal when he was at the top of his game. And, you just don't lose that overnight. And although he's had a rough couple of years, he hasn't lost it. You know there's still something in the tank. And uh, if, he, if he strings 72 holes together, uh, not obviously what his A-plus game was, but he throws his A-minus game out there, B-plus game, that's a hell of a golfer you're going to see on the course. And I can't, I can't rule him out. Um, I 100% agree with you. There's certain guys where no matter what they do, you cannot rule them out, and he's one of those people. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and looking at, at some odds, uh, in terms of, of players that, uh, you know, at least from what Vegas thinks, um, you know, has a good shot. You know, I think right now it looks like Spieth and Rory McIlroy both at 8-1, to one, both guys that, you know, if I if I had to just make a prediction, uh, would definitely be the, the, the top of my list. Um, uh, just looking down the list here, uh, local favorite Jim Furyk, 70-1 to one odds. Um, I should have written down Tigers because he's kind of getting lost in the mix here. Um, I got him at twenty-eight to one, twenty-five to one now. Oh, here he is. He... Uh, Vegas Insider has him actually at twenty now, so it, you know he's right up there. And I think that that's more, uh, you know, and obviously these numbers are even going to move again into into Thursday. But uh, yeah, they have him at twenty to one, Phil at twenty to one, uh, Fowler at thirty to one. Uh, which, which I think, you know, uh, it, it, depending on what you're going to put down on it, could, could be a relatively good number because if you look a year ago, Fowler was a guy that, um, you know, in terms of all four majors as a whole, was there competing, didn't win any, but uh, and not saying this is definitely going to be the year that he does, but um, you know, just just, just a guy that, that that's there, um, and if you scroll all the way to the bottom. You have uh, Ben Crenshaw, Ian Woosnam, Larry Mees, Mark O'Meara, and Sandy Lyle at 2,500 to 1. So if you want to put just a small amount down and pray pray hard, uh, you, you could win big this weekend um, at Augusta. Looking at some of the pairings uh, for Thursday, uh, Tiger actually in the uh, second-to-last pairing. He will go off at 148. It'll be Tiger, Jamie Donaldson, Jimmy Walker, followed only by Jason Day, uh, Sergio Garcia, and Ricky Fowler. Um, and then uh, the the first group off in the morning, uh, if my iPad cooperates, here we go, uh, 7.45 a.m., Charlie Hoffman, Brian Harmon, the first three, some of the day, 7.56, Larry Mees, Danny Willett, and Byron Metz. Um and then, uh, you know, you can find all of those. I think one of the more fun morning uh, groupings could be Patrick Reed, Keegan Bradley, Ian Poulter. I like Patrick Reed. I absolutely love Patrick Reed. He's one of the most fun guys, uh, in my opinion, to watch uh, all around right now. Uh, Anthony, you know, we'll give you a chance to, 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 let, to, to tell everyone who you think is going to win uh, win overall. If, if I had to make a pick, if I really had to make a pick right now, um, I'm I'm kind of between Rory and I'm and I'm between him and Jordan Spieth just because of the way Spieth has been playing lately. Uh, he was he was there right near the top last year. Um, I, I at this point I'd say Spieth. Uh, I think Rory will be in the mix. Fowler will be in the mix. Um, you know, obviously Bubba Watson down there. Uh, is, is a guy that, that you always want to watch. And, you know, if he makes the cut and if he stays healthy, of course, like I said, you can't count Tiger out. I would lo- I would absolutely love to see Tiger uh, win this thing by, by about five or six strokes. Like once, you know, once the 15th hole is over, you pretty much, you pretty much know that it's done. Uh, not saying that I think that will happen, but I think it would just be an absolute uh, awesome, awesome moment. Um, for me as a huge Tiger fan to see that. But, Anthony, who do you think is going to take the green jacket this year? 
Well, you're being humble right now because you should let everyone know you picked Bubba Watson to win last year, and when did he do? Uh, Bubba Watson won the Masters for the second time, so you're on a streak right now. And one of the golfers you picked, Jordan Spieth, I'm torn between him and Dustin Johnson. And now the more and more that it uh, hits me, I, I picked Dustin Johnson on my show, and, I, and I'm going to stick with it. And now it looks like there's rain in the forecast, and Dustin Johnson's a big hitter. Uh, and w- what that means for me is, and a guy like Bubba Watson at Cabogo too, these long hitters, that means they're irons. You can hit a nine iron, a sand wedge, a pitching wedge from much further out. And if those greens are wet, you can stick balls a lot closer to the pin. So I think we're going to see if, if, the, if the rain that they are expecting at Augusta rolls through, I think we're going to see a big hitter win this tournament. And to me, I think that's Dustin Johnson. I think he has his putting on track and off the tee. He should be solid. Um, it's his time. He's due to win a major. And I'd love to pick Jordan Spieth as my 1A. Um, I, I want to see Jordan Spieth win, and I want to see Dustin Johnson win as a fan. But I'm going to pick Dustin Johnson here to win this one. Um, and one guy who I think we all want to see win, have to throw him in there, is Miguel Angel Jimenez. Uh, dear Lord, you know, if if you want to bless us at Augusta this weekend, give give Miggy the win and uh, let the world know what what is uh, what golf is really about. Yeah, and and, uh, and I think you tweeted it out. How great would it look to see uh, see the green jacket with his uh, with his trademark cigar? There would be very very cool uh, to see him get the win. Anthony, last story before we uh, before we let you get get out here. Um, uh, buddy of mine brought it up, and brought it to me, and and I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Ronda Rousey's book coming out um, uh, next month. But uh, Walmart is apparently not going to be selling it in stores. There was a talk that they weren't going to sell it at all. But I guess uh, they, they, based on it being too violent, and and that I think sparked the ire of a lot of people, uh, they said they're going to be selling it online um, and and will keep keep it uh, an eye on it. To, uh, to see about selling it in stores because you know you, you, you with, with as much product as they have online you can only sell so much of that uh in in stores but i know a lot of people immediately said you know well they sell things like uh, you know 50 shades of gray they sell violent movies uh things like that video games but you're going to say that a that a book is is too violent you're not going to carry it walmart did not con- comment on uh that part of the rumor or the story Anthony, what are your thoughts on on this this story or this rumor about it being too violent for for Walmart to be carrying this book in their stores? I laugh at it um, in kind of you know every way. Too violent, I mean, really? Too too violent? Uh, I mean, how, how, what do we what do we want to say is violent? Walmart has an extensive uh, gun selection. And, and, um, I mean, I, I have no problem with guns, but, I mean, we can deem them as violent. Uh, are Na- Walmart sells NASCAR items. We've seen people die on track. And you want to call NASCAR violent? They sell football items. I think football is violent. And now what I read on TMZ Sports is that 
Walmart, is, they already have the book on, online for pre-order, um, and now the report from TMZ Sports is that they will have the book in stock in stores, but they will not put it on the shelves. Um, you're going to have to ask for it, and a Walmart, a Walmart employee can go in the back and get it for you. But I, I don't know what point they're trying to prove. Uh, I, I really don't, but one thing I, I will say is that I think this has given the book a little bit more attention than it would have gotten. Um, I mean, sh- for sure the MMA community would have known about it, but now other people are hearing it, and maybe they kind of say, oh, there's a Ronda Rousey book out. I'm curious to read it, and it boosts sales. Uh, I don't know. So does Walmart maybe try to go with that route of it? I don't know, but it, it's pretty silly to me that they say it's too violent. I mean, that's the excuse you have? Really? And and then they don't give a comment behind it to to back it in any single way? It's really, again, I think laughable that Walmart wants to hold themselves like, like there's some high standard. I mean, your Walmart jack-of-all-trade store that's going to sell things at low prices, what, what do you, I mean, you're not protecting your reputation here. There's not a huge reputation on the line. No one looks at you differently because you sold a Ronda Rousey book. I don't get it, personally. Honestly, I think if selling that book could maybe class the joint up a little. Uh, but that, that's just me. Anthony, coming up on the bottom of the hour here, uh, we're going to let you go. But uh, make sure you let people know where they can find you on Twitter. Let them know about your show there on Kutztown University Radio. As always, you can find me on Twitter at ARMarchetto. That's at A-R-M-A-R-C-H-E-T-T-O. And uh, online I'm on Tuesdays from 3 to 4 p.m., www.kutztown.edu backslash K-U-R. That's backslash K-U-R on Tuesdays from 3 to 4. Semester's almost over, so I'm going to have about, I think, three more, three more shows uh, this year, and then I have a nice summer off, and... Um, I'll get back on it in the fall, but again, always on Twitter at AR Marketo. That's where you can find me. All right, Anthony, thanks a lot. Enjoy the Masters this weekend. Enjoy your week, bud. Likewise, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show as always. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a, take a brief, brief break here uh, to uh, do a little uh, – We'll do a little house cleaning and uh, and and get get some things taken care of, and we'll be back on the other side. We'll talk some NHL and some NFL uh, to close out your Tuesday timeout. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. 
Welcome back to the Tuesday Timeout here on NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Make sure you visit NGSCSports.com for all of our shows, the entire lineup listed there. Uh, check out all of them, whether on demand or live. Also check out all the written content over there. Again, at NGSCSports.com, podcast us by searching NGSC Sports Radio on iTunes. You can also directly podcast this show by searching Big Jim Sports. Also check out NGSC Sports on Spreaker and iHeartRadio by searching NGSC. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Flying solo here for the second hour of the show. If you want to call in and talk to me, 724-444-7444. Again, 724-444-7444. You're going to have to enter the call ID 135138 to get through to me. Follow the prompts from there, and we'll get you on air to talk to me. We have a poll question tonight, and we have a few listener responses we're going to read. Should athletes be able, uh, or excuse me, should athletes be allowed to go pro directly from high school, or should there be a like a pro management uh, program in college, like Anthony and I kind of discussed? You know, something, you know, if they're only going to be one and done like they are in college basketball, don't even waste the time. Uh, but sports like football, you know, like hockey, there needs to be some sort of something. Uh, let's go. Uh, we had a response on Twitter. Uh, Jason, who was with us on the show last week, says, I'd say direct pro makes no sense to waste scholarship money and an academic spot for a person that has no interest in a degree. Andrew checks in on Twitter. He says, I don't know about school always being the answer. But I think it's an extremely rare that an athlete can go directly from high school to the pros and be successful. For every Kobe and LeBron, you have many more Daryl Dawkins and Bill Wallaby. And he adds more, you know, kind of comparing sports like baseball, hockey, football, things like that. Like Anthony and I said, you're not, you, there's not going to be an 18-year-old kid that's going to be able to go into the, uh, into the NFL straight out of high school. You know, a kid would just get severely severely injured if you try to do something like that um like i said i think there should be some sort of schooling to 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 prepare the kids not only from a money standpoint from a business standpoint from an agent standpoint uh and and how to handle the fame how to handle being a professional athlete there should be some sort of training there uh, but uh you know that that's that's obviously. Some of you have any thoughts on the poll question? Tweet me at Big Jim Sports or call in. Um, we're going to talk NHL. Plenty of NHL stuff to get to. The the craziness that is the journey to the Stanley Cup playoffs is only getting crazier tonight. The New York Rangers. Congratulations to the New York Rangers uh, for clinching the President's Trophy. They won tonight uh, beating the New Jersey Devils on the road uh, currently at 52-21 and 7, 111 points. Nobody can do better than that. Uh, the New York Rangers will are your President's Trophy winner and uh, sometimes that can be the kiss of death though. You, you know, you see it a lot of times. Uh, the team that's hot throughout the year is the team that can't get it done in the postseason. We will remain to be seen on that. In the Atlantic Division, Montreal and Tampa Bay still leading the charge. Uh, there, uh, Montreal and Tampa Bay both have clinched 
playoff spot. Uh, they are uh, 106 points and 104 points, respectively. Uh, Detroit now today moving up into third place in that division, currently at 97 points. Uh, you look at the Metropolitan Division, the New York Rangers, of course, clinching the number one spot completely. They will have home ice the whole way through as long as they stay alive. Currently, like I said, at 111 points, the Washington Capitals, 44, 25, and 11 under first-year head coach Barry Trotz. They have clinched a playoff spot there at 99 points. The New York Islanders falling tonight. Uh, they are at 98 points. Pittsburgh, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins here in just a second, but they are now clinging on to the number one wild card spot at 96 points, Boston and Ottawa at 95. Yeah, and before we jump to the Western Conference, let's talk about those Penguins. Just a complete flounder job going on in Pittsburgh. A complete, complete meltdown this team is in. Danger of missing the playoffs. Um, you know, not even winning uh, four four out of their last ten plus games. The Pittsburgh Penguins are just just completely losing all sorts of confidence, all sorts of composure throughout the throughout this uh, this playoff run here coming down. Um, yes, there are injuries, and and but every team has injuries right now. I mean, the, the Washington Capitals. Uh, have have recalled two guys in the Hershey Bears this year, um, and uh, for, for this week, excuse me, one guy that that's never even played, never been called up to an NHL team, uh, was called up to the Capitals today. Uh, so so injuries can't be an excuse. The Pittsburgh Penguins tonight had a three nothing lead, a three to nothing lead over the Ottawa Senators. And they blew it. It went into overtime, and the Penguins lost four to three. Now, yes, they got a point out of it, but here's the thing: Ottawa now just one point back of them, and Pittsburgh plays the New York Islanders on Thursday before they finish the season against the Buffalo Sabers. If I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, I I am completely, completely terrified of missing the playoffs. The Penguins. Three seven and two since March fifteenth. Only the Coyotes, only the Arizona Coyotes, have a worse record since March fifteenth than the Pittsburgh Penguins. That that's that's not tanking. That's not losing. That that's a complete. You talk about teams having a positive turnaround and making that positive surge. The Penguins are the complete opposite right now. And. I put it out on my Twitter on Sunday when they went back-to-back in this playoff run and they didn't play Marc-Andre Fleury on Sunday against the Flyers. I have, and and people have told me, I have sources tell me that the Penguins are not happy with Marc-Andre Fleury and that it should have been a sign. And then I had people chattering at me tonight, the same person saying, look, they started Marc-Andre Fleury tonight and a must-win. Well, they clearly have confidence in him. How much confidence they have in him now? He blew a three to nothing freaking lead in the third period. Don't tell me that the Pittsburgh Penguins have the utmost confidence. The Penguins should have confidence in nobody on that roster right now. No one. Not Flurry. Not Crosby. Not Meltdown Malkin. None of them. Not the guy behind the bench. Not the guy in the front office. There shouldn't be confidence in anybody 
for a team that talented, and I'm not saying they're not talented, but for a team that talented to go 3-7-2 and two in the last month is, is inexcusable. And don't tell me that, be, that because they, they always change goalies on back-to-backs, that, that that's why they did it. Well, guess what? Braden Holpe's played like 20 straight for the Washington Capitals because they wanted to keep their best goalie in when the games matter, for the games that matter going into the playoff run, trying to clinch that playoff spot. Guess what? He's still playing tomorrow. I bet he'll still play on Saturday. That's that's the thing. If the Penguins had the confidence in Marc-Andre Fleury, they'd be playing him. They'd be playing him when the games matter most, but they're not. You don't change your goalies in a playoff series. You don't change them when your backs are against the wall trying to make it into the playoffs if you have confidence in said goalie, which I don't think the Penguins do. Other scores from around the league tonight, as we and then we'll cover the Western Conference, where the Western Conference is at right now. The Islanders falling to the Philadelphia Flyers 5-4. to four. Like I said, Pittsburgh tanking and losing to Ottawa. The Detroit Red Wings beat Carolina 3-2 to two in the Red, or the Rangers over the Devils 4-2. to two. Games currently in action at the end of two. It is Colorado 2-1 to one over Nashville. Uh, you have the Winnipeg Jets uh, defeating the St. Louis Blues 1-0. to nothing. Um, Chicago and Minnesota are tied in the third. Arizona is trailing to Calgary 1-0 in the second. And uh, very early in the second, Edmonton leading the Kings by a score of 1-0. Looking at the Western Conference now, the Central Division, all the spots, uh, the top three spots are locked in terms of teams guaranteed to go to the playoffs. St. Louis Blues leading the pack. With 105 points, Nashville with 104, Chicago with 102. All three of those have clinched. Anaheim has clinched the Western Conference's Pacific Division. They are at 107 points. Vancouver in second place, 97 points. Calgary at 93. When you look at the wild card spots in the West, you have Minnesota currently at 96 points. Winnipeg at 94, Los Angeles on the outside looking in currently at 93. Um, Out of these teams, who do I think will win? I've said it for weeks. I think Winnipeg will uh, stay in, and I hope they do, and I hope that uh, Minnesota stays in. Looks like the Los Angeles Kings could go from Stanley Cup final champions to out of the playoffs the very next year. And finally, in the NHL tonight, another milestone for Alexander Ovechkin. For all those people that uh, that have said how bad of a player Ovechkin is, how bad of a captain Ovechkin is, here's your weekly reminder that he isn't. This past weekend, uh, as the Capitals defeated the Montreal Canadiens in a shootout, Alex Ovechkin celebrated his 51st goal of the season, which not only puts him at six seasons of 50 or more goals only two players have had more seasons than that one of them being the great Wayne Gretzky 
But the uh, 51st goal of the season puts Washington Capitals forward Alex Ovechkin as the new number one scorer of all time for the Washington Capitals. Congratulations to Alex Ovechkin there. Um, I'm sorry that is not our last NHL story the night I forgot. This is the one that I added um, in the uh, in the 11th hour, so to speak. Dustin Bufflin last week suspended only four games for a vicious cross-check to the neck of New York Rangers forward J.T. Miller uh, in a game last Tuesday night while we were on the air here on uh, last Tuesday night, March 31st. Bufflin suspended four games without pay. The incident occurred 17-20 of the second period under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. And based on his salary, Bufflin will forfeit $111,827.96 of his salary. The money goes to Players Emergency Assistance Fund. Um, Don Cherry on Sportsnet uh, in Canada on the Coach's Corner said this, uh, quote, kids never do what Dustin did. You know, he's one of my favorites, but never knew what, do what he did. There's no excuse for what he did. None. Um, Rangers coach, uh, Elaine Vigneault had this to say about the play. It was violent, deliberate, could have broken his neck. It was one of the most vicious, vicious cross checks I have seen this year. It was was and is despicable. It was and is disgusting. It was and should not be tolerated. I said when I saw this hit that he should get nothing less than 10 games. The fact that he, and, and based, based on his prior record, things like that, for, for hits, he, he could only have gotten a maximum of five games. The fact that he didn't even get the maximum of five shows how much of a joke the NHL Player Safety Committee is, how much of a joke the NHL Player Discipline Committee is. Dustin Bufflin should not play another game this year, in my opinion. It was a disgusting, dirty hit. It was intentional, and it should never, ever be allowed in the game. Now, also, you have a guy in Bufflin that has been uh, fined for multiple occurrences of diving. He is a guy that cuts corners in games, that, that, that does dirty things during the game to try and draw penalties or, or to give him and his team a competitive advantage. This guy is a scum of the earth, NHL player, and I would have no problems not seeing Dustin Bufflin in an, in an NHL uniform for a very very long time. Um, moving on now to the to some NFL stories. The NFL draft not far away now, and I'm not much of a big draft guy. I'm going to try and get a, get at least one draft expert on the show here in the coming weeks to uh, to, to break down the draft uh, to to break down the draft. But uh, look looking at it because obviously when you're looking at the um, the number one overall pick is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The question is, who do they pick? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Is it going to be Marcus Mariota? Or are they going to go in a complete different uh, direction? 
And if you're looking at uh, many guys across the NFL.com board, Brian Baldinger, Bucky Brooks, Lance Zierlein, Charles Davis, they all think it's going to be Jameis Winston. I personally think it is going to be Jameis Winston. I've said for a long time uh, on Twitter, I don't even know, I can't remember off the top of my head if I've said it on this show that, uh, that I think it will be uh, Jameis Winston. And if I had to choose, uh, I would pick Jameis Winston over. Excuse me, that I would pick Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota if I had to make the choice. I think that his football IQ is better. I think his 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 body build, his intangibles. I think all of that is better for the NFL game than Marcus Mariota. In the right situation, I think Mariota could be better. A situation like the Philadelphia Eagles because of the fact that he knows that system. But overall, I think Jameis Winston will, would be the better option. And then uh, Lawrence Tynes, excuse me, former NFL kicker, is, uh, is suing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for damages uh, for his ordeal of suffering from a career-ending MRSA infection. For those of you who don't know what MRSA is, it is a, is a, sta- a viral staph infection that is very hard to treat. It is very, very dangerous. Um, I almost had a small breakout at my work a few years ago. It's something that's very scary because it is, a, it is typically a drug-resistant staph infection and uh, has, has a very high fatality rate, if you, uh, especially if you do not, uh, can not treat it or try to treat it very, very early on. According to Albert Breer of the NFL Network, Tynes is alleging the Buccaneers' handling of this situation ended his career and cost him $20 million in expected future earnings. Tynes, along with guard Carl Nix and cornerback Jonathan Banks, contracted uh, MRSA uh, in 2013. Nix and Tynes have had their careers ended for all intents and purposes due to the ailments. Banks has been able to resume his career and started 30 games over the past two years for the Buccaneers. Um, Tynes was critical of handling the matter at the time. They placed him on the non-football injury list instead of injured reserve, which denied him some benefits. He added today... Um, talking about the ordeal, he told uh, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times that, quote, this is overwhelming. It brings you to your knees. You're go- you've got to strike the ball with pretty good force. I knew pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be able to kick. Then, when I-, then I went out there a week later and said, okay, let's try this again. Uh, it just hadn't worked out. It reminded me every morning I'm reminded every morning when I step out of bed on my feet that I had MRSA. It hurts every morning. It hurts every day. I have constant reminder on a daily basis. Uh, He adds, it's frustrating as hell. You miss football every day. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't. You still think you can do it, but there's an issue with your foot that makes it impossible for you to play. It's hard when something is taken away from you through no fault of your own. Uh, this stemming from an, basically an unsanitary condition. Uh, he had a procedure uh, that the that the Bucks trainer and, and team staff uh, trimmed back a big toenail on his right kicking foot. 
uh, something he had done without incident in the in the past. Noticing a couple of days later, after after he had that nail trim back, that uh, you know he was sick, he was feverish, he was in pain. Uh, something just was not right. And then of course that's when he uh, he was contract or he was confirmed uh, to have had the MRSA. This is just an awful situation. It truly, truly is. I feel for a guy like him uh, to have to go through this. Uh, I, like I said, I, have, I, I have known people who have had this type of infection. It is very scary, very painful, very dangerous. Um, and, and you know, I, I hope that he is able to um, get this situation resolved. Unfortunately, it looks like he's never going to be able to play again. But uh, hopefully, he can get it. Um, taken care of from a legal standpoint. And finally, Adrian Peterson had a meeting today with the NFL um, with the NFL in regards to uh, when he comes off of the NFL's uh, play, uh, commissioner exempt list and, and will he be returning to football? The report coming out um, is that he will have no further punishment if and when he is when he is uh reinstated to the active roster um unlikely for him to return to minnesota he has said that he doesn't really want to return to minnesota i don't think the vikings want him to return to minnesota the cardinals and cowboys have been rumored destinations for adrian peterson uh, sources from around Dallas and from around the Cowboys and their media that that is not the case. He is not going to end up in Dallas. Uh, so do not believe what you read there. Um, but I think he could be very successful in Arizona or in another situation uh, if he if he goes there. So that's going to do it for me tonight. Going to close it up a little bit early as uh, as we're running solo here in the second part of the show again thank you to anthony for joining us in the first hour thank you for the tweets and responses to tonight's poll question we're going to it's going to be something i'm going to try to keep going uh for for the foreseeable future uh th- i want to thank you for listening like I, I tweeted out and put it on our facebook page uh facebook.com slash big gym sports twitter at big gym sports earlier today the past couple weeks this show uh, and, and my Thursday night pro wrestling show that I co-host with my best friend Ryan, uh, Three Count Thursday, this show, the Tuesday timeout, have been the top performing shows for the last couple weeks here on NGSCSports.com and for well over a month have been in the top three or four. So I cannot thank you enough for the support. Please keep it going. Keep spreading the word about the show and about our social media pages. Please keep it going because there's a lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline, folks, I'm going to be uh, traveling next week to New Jersey to record a podcast with Pizza Beer Revolution. Um, you can check out their podcast on Twitter at Pizza Beer Rev. Uh, very exciting stuff there. Uh, very exciting stuff coming on the Three Count Thursday side. This has just been an unbelievable uh, start to, to our time here with NGSC Sports, and I want to thank you know everybody involved, Ralph, Kyle, Cindy, all of you at NGSC once again, for giving me this opportunity, and sky is the limit here. So, again, go to NGSCSports.com. We never stop. We'll never stop. Uh, check out all the shows. Check out all the podcasts. Go to iHeartRadio. Search NGSC. Again, I am 
Jim Neese, Big Jim, Big Jim Sports on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Have a great week, folks. Enjoy the Masters. Enjoy the last couple NHL games of the regular season. Get ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Get ready for, uh, you know, enjoy baseball. Whatever you do, enjoy it. Be safe, be smart, and as always, go for the win. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.